G'day guys, it's the coach here. Welcome to another awesome discussion that we're going to have. Uh, you might have noticed that we are doing a bit of a focus on event organizers and tournament organizers and helping really share the knowledge across the world around how to run awesome events to grow your community uh, and just have an awesome time. And I'm here with Schultzy. I've officially renamed him. Uh, this is Australian <laughs> nickname now. Um, yeah. Purely because we were talking pre-episode pre and I'm like, how do I say your name? And he told me. <laughs> and then five minutes later, I tried to say it and I yeah. butchered it. So it is Jonathan Swayze or Schultzy. It's actually not his name, but Jonathan, uh, <laughs> welcome. Hello. And I'm excited to talk to you about your initiative, which is the Start Starter Box Challenge, which is all about yeah. how you've grown a community based mm -hmm. on starter boxes. Heck yeah, yeah, that's definitely what the main focus of the event is all about. Um, it's a it's a different event, actually. You know, you know, often yep. you hear events like one thousand points, two thousand points. You know, you, mm -hmm. you you make up different points, but a starter box challenge that's quite a new thing or a quite an interesting uh, way to approach an event. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we still try to hit that 1000 point mark, just because I find that's really uh, a good starting point for a lot of uh, starter challenges like this. Um, but the reason we focus it around the starter box is it's a great way to get new players into the game. Um, the other reason I do starter boxes is because those are things that you can get in your local stores. And I always try to promote. Um, so actually, a way that I promote that is if you buy your starter box, box in one of our local stores i actually give you some raffle tokens for prizes and stuff so it helps support the community the whole way around is kind of what i go for and jonathan and i connected if you're wondering how this all started uh you might recall people uh about a few i mean i guess depends on when you listen to this but uh, i put out a recent video about start collecting and i had broken down the 28 start collecting boxes and you know gave my little observations around how many points it's currently worth, you know, what what type of roles it fulfills, whether it's battle line leaders, uh, alternative builds. So, you know, a lot of people don't know that while it might be listed as a, I don't know, the Skaven box has the Plague Claw catapult, you know, some people may not know that it also can be built as a Warp Lightning Cannon. And I kind of built around, you know, some battle lines, some uh, battalions, some things you might want to expand upon. And it was shared mm -hmm. on a Facebook post and, and someone said, hey, there's this start collecting event. And I had no idea about it. I thought, okay, that sounds interesting. Normally when I hear of start collecting events, it's based around our, our local game stores, you know, Games right. Workshop, Warhammer, or your friendly local game store will try to sell a box of, you know, start collecting and everyone does a slow grow and we play a couple of games and hopefully you, you go to 2000 points and that's kind of all you hear. But you, your event is is large it's it's more than just a couple of people at a local game store it's it's massive yeah so i do want to say that it definitely started out as kind of i started out in campaign organization and a lot of the times what happened was exactly what you said we're doing slow grow so you get your starter box you start at whatever points and you build to whatever points but i was getting a lot of community burnout doing it that way so I was like, all right, let's make it a one day thing. Um, let's just get everybody to get a start collecting box. And that's what you get to use. So what I mean by that is like, you just get your box and that those are the only models you get. So you, do, you get to see a lot more interesting lists and it's just a lot easier for people to get into it, I find. So, and then 
the other big thing that I found is that it eliminates a lot of the player worry about then going up against experienced players with maybe lists that are a little bit rougher, a little bit more battle tested, because it forces those players to then kind of reduce their options and really push themselves to to make something unique. So it, it's, it's a an, really good game. Yeah, Go it's, it's an awesome challenge because there are there are a whole yeah. bunch of armies. And as I was going through the start collecting series. Mm -hmm. There was a whole bunch of armies where I'm like, I would love to do this start collecting box, but I would never want to actually build it out to a 2,000 points. Like, I would love to run the Seraphon army with, you know, the Saurus Knights. I'd love to run a Carnosaur. I'd love to run a little Dino Patch, but I wouldn't want to run yeah. 2,000 points of Seraphon. Uh, but right. this kind of really scratches that itch. And I wanted to kind of unpack from you, Jonathan, um, what it was all about. How did you get it all working? And I guess what are the lessons and the advice for, you know, maybe you are a, st a store owner who's looking to grow Age of Sigma. Maybe right. you are somebody who uh, plays at a local games club or you're trying to bring in new people into the hobby. Uh, I think this mm -hmm. is an awesome way to do it. You've got your one-on-ones, you've got your two-on-twos, you've got team events, you've got narrative events. This is something different mm -hmm. and I wanted to unpack that with you. Yeah. Um, so definitely, um, if I was looking to start all over again and start to build my community, um, I would really focus on the social media aspect of it first. So I always took to Facebook first and foremost, and I started blasting, um, what the event was about, uh, what people could expect to get there and how they can get started to get ready for the event. Um, and then that kind of lays the groundwork for you. And then after that, you have to put together a really solid players package. And in years past, I tried to step outside of the, I guess, the tournament rules AOS and, and Games Workshop had set up um, to try to make my own rules. And that just really convoluted things and made it a lot more difficult. So we we kept the interesting aspect of the, the challenge to the starter box aspect of it. And then we just kept all of the regular match play rules and tournament rules to make it simple. Everybody has those rules right in front of them. So there's no real debate or worry about any of that. Keep it basic is probably my best, biggest tip for that. Yeah. So talk to me about, so I guess, you know, let's let's reset this because maybe somebody doesn't know what a, a start collecting event is. Maybe they haven't been a part right. of a slow, a slow grow um, that they started their army, they found a community, they grew it, they now play in match play tournaments. First off, what is a start collecting or a slow grow event? And what drew you and the community to this style of event? Right. So the biggest uh, difference between my event and a regular event or even a slow grow, grow league is generally in those leagues, you start with whatever you're going to start with, and then you grow it to whatever you want to grow it to. With the starter box challenge, your army is based around a starter box. So for instance, Anthony, you want to come to the starter box. Um, you're going to pick a start collecting box. Let's say Slaves to Darkness, the new one, because it has some sweet models. Um, you are then going to have to build everything in that box with any variants. You can build any of the variants. So like Ma Tribes, um, their box you know, the, the main hero has a couple different builds. As long as your core of your army contains that starter box, you're good to go. But then the only units you get to use to expand that to a thousand points is other units that appear inside of that start collecting box or a, uh, any allegiance. So like if you're Chaos and you can draw allies from Korn or Zeech or Slanesh, you can take other models from those armies 
However, they ha also have to appear and start collecting boxes. So that eliminates a lot of what you would see in your regular meta with people who have, you know, pretty hardcore lists because it really restricts everybody to that very small pool of stuff they have to choose from. So in your video, I mean, you talked about certain armies have more points, less points, and that thousand point cap lets everybody build to that limit. So that's kind of what sets us apart and I think makes the event really unique. I know. Um, so I've been... Um... I don't want to say community leader, but I'm certainly someone who's been driving my community in Sydney um, for a number of years now. And for us in, in Sydney, and I'm sure it's it's very common in other communities, 2,000 points is normally the number that most events go to, uh, whether it's your, your two-dayers or your one-dayers, uh, whether it is the events that run at a local game store. 2,000 mm -hmm. points is normally the number that we most gravitate to. And yeah. I've spoken to a lot of people and people who are entering the community, that, that's such a big jump for them to go mm -hmm. from zero to 2,000 points to, uh, to buy, build, paint, practice, play, and actually then get the confidence to come to an event at 2K uh, yeah. is, is, is quite a massive jump. And mm -hmm. the, the draw for me on these slow grow or these, you know, what you do with this, the starter box, which is what got me really interested, is it is allowing you to, it's like going to the gym, right? Yep. Or going for a run. Nobody goes and runs the, the you know, the, uh, the New York Marathon or some type of massive run immediately. They train and they build over time. And this allows you to go, right, I've got 15 models, 10 models. Uh, I'm going to grow up to 200 points. And then yep. once I've got 200 points, I add on extra 100 points. Reminds me of the um, back in the day Games Workshop on White Dwarf would have like the Tale of Four Warlords where um, yeah. each person could spend like $100 or $50 depending on which where you live. Uh, and they would slowly build up their army over time using this fixed $50 or $100. Um, and over like six months, you eventually get this army. And now you've got not only the experience but the models to go play 2k so mm -hmm. for me when i look at the starter box challenge and slow grows uh this is really building the skill and the knowledge and the confidence without forcing someone's hand to buy 2k immediately rush paint it uh not practice and then just have a bad time with an experienced player potentially and they give up on the hobby which uh yeah. is a big risk so speaking to that specifically that's why i don't have a painting requirement for my event um, so that people who do jump in late can get into it. Um, but I also feel it's really important to award players for things outside of how they play or how strong their list is. So a lot of the awards that I give out are hobby awards or sportsmanship awards, or they're just raffle prizes. So you can come get smashed, but chances are good you're going to walk away with something. So a really good example of that is... Um, in the second year that we ran it, we had this guy, David. He's in one of the photos. He's the big Scotsman. He's holding up a medal. Um, <laughs> he actually came out and he just busted his butt at the hobby aspect of it. And he actually walked away with the hobby trophy that year. So you don't always have to design these events for play. And I think that's something that gets missed a lot. You know, reward players for things outside of just the game, for sure. So I, I guess, you know, if, if, we're, if we're setting the scene or laying the land, you know, really what mm -hmm. is this start collecting box uh, challenge or the starter box challenge or the slow grow league, uh, however mm -hmm. you want to call it or whatever it is, it's a great entry point for you to bring 
your community uh, into the fold without forcing them to buy lots of models immediately. Uh, and and I guess getting them familiarized, and I really liked some of the, I don't want to call it restrictions, but as an experienced player, um, I, I think sometimes I miss out on these events because I don't want to go down with my optimized list. Uh, I don't want to go in with my super experience. But if you said, Anthony, you go and have fun with your, uh, again, I mentioned my Seraphon, if I was to start mm-hmm. a Seraphon or even like a, a Sylvaneth, you know, a bunch of, you know, Spite Revs or Dryads and, you know, a, a Branch Wraith and a Tree Lord. Cool. It's pretty, mm-hmm. it's, it's not really optimized. I didn't do anything. I can only do so much, but I can go yeah. in and share knowledge and have fun and, and I guess give coaching and advice and support and encouragement. Um, and, and those people will get comfortable and, and stay with our community. And then boom, you know, yeah. my events gone from 10 to 50 to 100 to, you know, you've got massive events now because you've slowly grown that community. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely something that happened with us. Like we, I think the first year I ran it, we only had about 20 players next year. We had, I think 35 plus. And then this third year we had 70. So it, it does work. People you get the word out there and they, they get excited about this, these kind of events, you know, they, and they want massive, yeah. man. Like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, in, in a lot of communities, that's massive. Like, yes, you know, we've got CanCon, you've got Adepticon, you've got LVO, you've got these big events that are that mm-hmm. are sitting around the 100, 200 mark, but a 70-player event is is mm-hmm. quite large. And then you add on the fact that it's based around start collecting box. That just shows mm-hmm. a testament on how enjoyable this event can be if you yeah. create it correctly. So um, that's pretty exciting. And you're in Canada, mm-hmm. right? We are in Canada, yeah. So we we're pretty blessed in our meta. I'll say that um, we have Calgary and Edmonton, which are pretty close together, um, and we have a fairly hu- big AOS community in both of those cities. So we have a lot of events where guys from Calgary will go up and play there, and vice versa. Um, so like when I discovered Ultimate Gamers, which is the name of our uh, local club. Um, it had already had like a pretty solid core of about 20 guys that were showing up regularly on Thursdays and playing games. Um, it was a little bit daunting the first couple times I came out to play games. Um, I remember the first time I actually came out, I was sitting there with my army. Another guy sat down with his army. We didn't really say anything. I waited about an hour for a game and then I left and I just didn't ever want that to happen to another player. So building on that community was always the focus. And I think just being friendly and having events like this where people can, you know, yeah, I want to try Seraphon. I want to try these, these units that never hit the table because they're just not optimized. And let's be honest, that happens, but you can just come out, have a nice laid back event. It's really fun, right? Like you can just enjoy yourself while you're out playing the game. So, and, you know, I'll bring up a perfect example here. So Cinderfall Gaming in the chat has mentioned that um, he has been recently running a slow grow uh, league in his community and it's yep. literally helped double his uh, attendance around. And that's because yep. you are, you're lowering the, lowering the baseline, allowing more people to attend. And I guess if you're, if you are thinking about growing your community and I want to get a little bit more into what you do and how your pack kind of works and how you run the mm-hmm. event, but if you're sitting here, whether it's post-COVID, if you're thinking about, I don't know, your community's kind of stale or maybe people have dropped off to, to go play 40K, for example, while it's exciting and you're trying to get your numbers back or you just want to go to a bigger venue and kind of do more things, whatever your world might look like, 
if you're thinking about how do I grow my community, I think there's some really interesting things that you've mentioned already, right? It mm. is removing the barrier to painting um, yep. because that is a hindrance. Not everybody is a fast painter. Not everyone is a confident painter. And that that can stop people from, from growing and learning the game. So mm. things like that. Uh, having different types of events, so not just always doing 2,000 points all the time. Yep. Have a doubles event. Have a teams event. Um, have mm -hmm. a have a, a slow grow event. I remember um, about six months ago, I did a, a women in Warhammer video um, with some women in um, oh no, two in Australia and one in England. I was going to say they're all Australian, okay. but no. But but one of the things that they had mentioned, I'll always remember, is they said uh, I don't really like the one on one format. I love mm -hmm. more two on two events because it lets me meet more people and I feel more confident. Yep. I'm like, okay. So if you're trying to grow yeah. your community, maybe a two-on-two, -two, maybe a, a kid's hammer, get your kids involved. Again, yep. think outside the box, I think, is kind of where I'm going with this on how you grow a community. Mm -hmm. It's actually really interesting you brought up the the women in Warhammer. Um, one of our tournament organizers, her name is Brianna Mo Moscrip. She actually puts on a great doubles tournament. So, yeah, a lot like events like that, they just make it more fun and interesting. And usually at doubles, I have a wacky time, and it's just more fun overall yeah. hey you could do a doubles event with the start collecting box again uh you know thinking outside the box thinking about what yeah. your community might benefit from but i love this idea of building around the start collecting box because they they you know when I, as i was reviewing in my video they all have a, a leader choice they yeah. all have some type of battle line choice they all have some type of monster or artillery or special units so um, mm -hmm. They're all roughly evenly matched. Yes, there are some more powerful. Yes, there are some. Don't yeah. at me at that. But they're all roughly uh, a good box to start with. Usually, yeah. yeah. Except one or two. I think one or two of them are a bit questionable. Although, that said, uh, so one of the guys that won the event, his name is Paul Ting. I think he won year one. And this he won with Slanesh before the new Slanesh book came out. So he took this under optimized army that everybody thought was kind of garbage and he just used only start collecting models and he won an event with it. So that's like, that's something else that can happen, right? You just don't know. It mixes up your meta a little bit, makes things fresh. Yeah. The only thing I was thinking about is start collecting. Uh, is it malignance is not really a thing. Yeah, um, that one's rough. But, yeah. I, but, but I was thinking like malignance, oh, but otherwise mm. like it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah. So we got a rough idea of like what is the start collecting event and yours is mm -hmm. called the uh, start collecting challenge. I love the idea of challenge. Um, mm. The reason we're doing it certainly is to grow our community, to bring people into the fold. Uh, if I was a local game store, it's a great way to, uh, to introduce people into the hobby and obviously boost your sales because uh, those people are going to mm -hmm. need paints, they're going to need brushes, they're going to hopefully have a really good time and then kind of buy more models. Hopefully they tell a friend. Uh, your experienced people hopefully go and bring in a friend. And again, that's a, a nice chunky sale as well. That $100, $200, depending again where you live. But um, as a tournament organizer, it brings more people into the community, gets them familiar, grows their confidence. You kind yeah. of migrate them up to 1,000 points, 1,500 points, 2,000. Mm -hmm. Anything else like the like the benefits or what, what comes with running a, an event like this? Um. I think one of the, the main benefits is it, it really gets um, the whole community involved. So in Calgary, there's a few places where people go and they'll play AOS. And an event like this kind of, it benefits everyone because I just 
make it so you buy that starter box at any local store and you're going to get some kind of bonus. Um, yes, there is uh, a place called the Ogre's Den where 90% of our events are going to get run just because they have the space to allow for things like this. But by bringing the whole community together like that, you just get support from everywhere. So there's no downside to, even if you are another store owner, like just throw some bones out there or something, you know, like it's just, it, it's got to be about growth. And, and, and even, uh, if you're, yeah. even if you're not uh, a store owner, uh, if, mm -hmm. if I if I, I was just a tournament organizer, walked up to my local game store and said, hey, I would like to run an event. I'm going to encourage people to to buy the start collecting boxes from you. Would you support mm -hmm. me with some prizes from vouchers? Uh, would you give me a kickback? Not obviously put in my pocket, yeah. but actually to then give out for painting prizes and, and during the day. Uh, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute yeah. no-brainer. So a really good thing that I do is you know, I make my event 20 bucks, uh, $20 Canadian. It's pretty affordable for anybody to get into. Um, and all of that money just goes towards prizing for the event. But I buy all of those prizes out of the store where we're having it. So the store just benefits for having us there. Uh, they get something for hosting the event. And then every, that allows me to get a, a bunch of raffle prizes that everybody has access to. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah. that's smart something to think about guys and mm -hmm. I, I just want to call that out because uh for some people they don't have a location they maybe not want to they don't want to get to a point where they hire an independent venue a hotel some type of community mm -hmm. room uh but working with your working in partnership with your local store can help you yeah. leverage and hey on the day i'm probably going to buy drinks and candy bars or chips or uh dice or a tape measure have some some incremental sales as well so uh if yeah. you are looking to run an event uh think commercially when you approach a store manager if you are a store manager or an owner thinking about growing an age of sigma community this is a great way to do it mm -hmm. for sure do you want to actually go through your pack and i i because there's some yeah. really good questions coming up already like gillian had mentioned uh do you modify things like the beast of chaos or beast of chaos how did i read beast of chaos there flesh eating <laughs> courts or beast claw raiders because uh, um, uh, do you modify those in the matchups and uh the reason why those two are mentioned is because from a power level they're both quite powerful uh, they're probably right. also probably the best start collecting boxes, in my opinion, that are available. They're just so flexible, so handy. Uh, I bought mm -hmm. four start collecting boxes of Flesh Eater Quartz, and I could probably buy a fifth one. Yep. They're just so good. And Beast Claw Raiders yep. is no different. Yep. Um, so in years past, uh, to address that, we expanded the models you could use to things like two-player start collecting boxes. Um, things like Soul Wars, when it came out, you could take models from that. Uh, that that was to initially to try to help balance it. That said, um, a lot of players were coming in with Fire Slayers, Beast Claw Raiders, uh, Flesh Eater Quartz made a big showing. None of those guys are winning the tournament, though. So, yes, those are some powerful start collecting boxes, but a lot can happen on the table. Um, and then this year, so the next time we run the event, we're actually doing away with all of that, and it's only start collecting boxes now because we find that that balancing just doesn't need to happen. So as I bring up your players pack, I'd love to you know, mm -hmm. get your initial thoughts. So this is your, your, your event. You've been running it for a couple of years now. Uh, the yeah. army painter, I love it. Uh, army yeah. painter <laughs> studio and Grimforge presenting the third annual. So yeah. So to speak to that really quickly, army painter studios 
is run by my good friend Jeff Painter. Uh, he's one of the guys that helps me organize the event. Uh, Grimforge is a 3D printing company out of Calgary. Uh, they make a lot of terrain. So the last year, they actually printed us up a whole table of terrain that we gave away as a prize. So it's just good to have those those friendships. And then the guy that designs all of our player packs, his name is R. Shamoon. He's another guy that helps me run the events. So all of the artwork and everything in here that you see, he put together this tight little package. So, so there you go. There's another example of yeah. you drawing upon the community to help you uh, run an event that's there to create and grow the community. Yeah. So I love the contributions. But we're going to go through this as an example. And it's for anyone who's thinking about doing an event like this to kind of grow the community, but also get the insights. Because one of the things that I want to understand from you is how does this type of event differ from a traditional match play? Because I think most people who are watching this video mm. have attended the traditional one day or two two day, 2,000 points, you know, uh, five games over two days, three on the first, mm. two on the second. Um, but it's a pretty standard format. How does this differ to my expectations of uh, a match play tournament? Um, so the main difference is going to be the number of rounds that you play. Um, we always try to keep it to a one day event. Um, so we keep it to three to four rounds. That's not always ideal for competitive play, but that's not really what this tournament is about. Um, we give you, we time the rounds out so that you have a very comfortable amount of time to play a 1000 point game, especially if you're new to the game, it gives you the extra time you're going to need to play through your mechanics, figure out the mechanics of the game, talk to people who might need to answer your questions um but i think the main thing that's going to set it apart ultimately is going to be the kind of lists that you're going to see on the table you're going to see some really cool stuff that never gets used because it's not optimized so you're going to get a much different experience to your standard match play game and you can see here you get four games uh which is great because again yep. it's going to help me build my confidence and you're right like when i'm learning an army or i'm learning the game um, to do my deployment in, I don't know, 10 minutes. And normally these store events, the, the challenge with them is they have very fixed uh, retail hours. Uh, normally mm -hmm. they're on Sundays uh, because Saturday's a really good trade day. So Sunday they take on where it's a bit quieter. And, you know, I, I find on a Sunday they normally open a little bit later. Uh, nobody mm -hmm. wants to get out of bed on a Sunday early. Uh, and they want to close because they want to go home and do stuff before Monday, right. maybe close out right. the week, whatever it might be. So, you know, to, to rush to rush a new starter is very challenging. You're not going to get you're not going to get the best out of them. So I love that you've tried to create a really ref, uh, relaxing space where uh, you've yeah. given someone, what, 90 minutes or two hours to to play a game of what, a thousand points at most. Yep. Yep. And we're really lucky with the Ogres Den. Again, this is where we play 90% of our events. Um, the owners are really good about, they'll, they'll give us whatever time we want. They'll come in early. They'll stay till midnight. They don't care. I still try to work with people's personal lives and make it a comfortable event. But if things need to go longer, they can. And that, again, it's just all about relationship building. So I, I've worked really hard to foster these relationships with my local stores so that we have the flexibility to, to, to do things like this. No, I love it. And you see here, you've got the restrictions. Uh, some feedback yep. from the community is maybe dropping the 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 um, make it a little bit easier to read. I think from the symbol being a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we were a little focused on artwork this year. I see. <laughs> it looks great, but there's always that balance, right? But hey, yeah, like again, sure. like, but I'm not, I'm not taking a dig at you. Like, like the fact that we're putting on a, an event is, is pretty pretty amazing. And uh, again, yeah. think think about the language and think about your audience as well, team. Um, mm -hmm. Think about like you know, is some of this language very common? Do people understand how to build a list? Uh, do people mm -hmm. understand the roles? And you know, if you are doing a start collecting. You, you almost really want to coach them and kind of guide them to uh, to a point mm -hmm. where, they again, they feel comfortable as opposed to a, this is in the too hard basket, maybe next time, where actually yeah. I'm here to help you reach out, talk to me. Um, yep. So what, what are these key things that you need to include in your players pack? So I can see you've kind of given us a bit of a lay of the land. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you're not going to... Uh, I know for my one of my events coming up, uh, I've boosted the price a little bit on my my ticket, but I've included mm -hmm. lunch as well. So it means that there's less time um, for people going to find their own lunch, maybe at a venue they're not com comfortable with. Um, right. And in a non-COVID world, they could obviously socialise and hang, hang, hang out with more people that they're meeting on the day, obviously. COVID, you know, we've got to be you know, socially aware and distancing and all that stuff. But again, yeah. think about how you can build the bonds in the community. Yep. Um, so definitely some things you want in your pack. Um, talk about what players can expect when they get there. Um, then I talk about how you're going to build your list. As you can see here, I've listed everything that was legal for this last year's event. So it's not strictly starter boxes. Um, again, this was a, an attempt to balance things. Um, but I always try to make sure that it's very clear what you can and can't do in the player's pack. And then I make myself available. So like I said before, I post about this stuff three to four months in advance. And then I make an effort to be at my local game store. So our night is Thursday night. I'm there every Thursday night. I'm there to field questions, play a game, um, talk about hobby, whatever. I'm just there, even if it's just to socialize for an hour or two. Um, and then I make myself really available on social media. So Facebook, whatever, email is 90% of where I get all my questions and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, as long as you're available for your players, they will ask you questions. And then that's going to help you just draw them in because they're obviously interested. So don't be a jackass. Just answer their questions. And w one thing that I've seen work really well at another local game store is having a painting night. So uh, not mm -hmm. everybody has the motivation, not everyone has the resources or even the space to paint at home. So maybe yep. in, a, uh, in a quieter day, let's say Monday, for example, uh, in fact, the, the, the game store that I'm thinking about in Australia does do it on a Monday. They'll actually advertise that from six till nine, uh, it'll be a painting night. And um, there'll be some experienced players like you who'll be there to help, help coach or give advice on the spot. Uh, mm -hmm. And that could also be motivation leading into your start collecting event. Because again, you're giving them three hours a week at minimum to come in and paint. And hey, they might want to pick up a new brush, pick up a new, new set of paints. They might learn a new technique and again, build that confidence over time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What else, what else goes into the pack? So you've obviously told people uh, what to expect. What, what can I expect, actually? Like, like sell, sell me. We're in an elevator. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in my hands, I've got Star Wars Legion or, or Marvel oh Crisis, and you're saying to me, oh, man, have you played Age of Sigma? And I'm like, no, nope, mm -hmm. never heard of it. I just found this cool hat on the ground, but otherwise I haven't. <laughs> I've never, no, no, no. What, what is, what's Age of Sigma? Tell, tell me. Yeah. Tell me. What's the, what's, what's the, what's the sell here? Uh, 
I would just push that it's a really easy game to learn and get into. Um, this would be a great event to get started with because you can pick up some really cool models. And even if you don't use them for AOS, they'll fit in any fantasy game you ever wanted to play. Um, and you get to start exploring this, this awesome world, this awesome community. Um, like I said, the complexity of the game, it's, it's not really that complex a game until you really get into bigger tournaments and you want to start expanding on your list. But man, this is an easy way to get into it and just learn the core of the game. Is all I like, it, yeah. I love how you've included things like the tournament rules as well and some little incentives yep. like uh, number two, uh, no, not number two, number three, where it said, mm. no, number four, far out. It's number four. I'm looking at all the rules, getting really <laughs> excited about being in a civilized manner. But no, number four yeah. says uh, players who purchase their start collecting boxes from the uh, Ogre's Den uh, would mm. receive uh, a once per game re roll. Um, so that's pretty mm. cool. So that, that's pretty cool that, again, nobody likes, you know, failing that critical dice roll. Uh, and, again, it's only like a fun building confidence, uh, learning the game type event. So why not have a free re-roll? Why not yep. uh, allow somebody to do something fun or interesting or create some uh, dynamic or, I don't know, like like why not open the floodgates a little bit? Again, the outcome is that people walk away from the event confident and knowledgeable and had a good time so that they yep. want to come to the next event. Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to go back to something you had a miserable time doing. So there's just no point in making it that way. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I do at my events. Um, so I've, so I run a couple events. My most popular one is, um, is called Sydney GT. And mm -hmm. um, something that I do is I, I have these things called negative achievements where um <laughs> At every every round, I will have like a small token prize. It would be a three D printed uh, piece of terrain. It might be like a twenty dollar little blister pack hero, um, or I might have a couple of those things. And what I'll do is I will announce that guys, round one, the first person to fail a three inch charge gets the prize. Um, oh, cool. So so when that negative thing happens, like they really wanted that that spell to go off, but they rolled a double one on the cast, or they failed the charge. Um, or they did something that would have been really important. They, you know, they rolled arcane bolt and they, um, I don't know, they, they did three damage or, you know, they rolled one on a deadly test. Um, I created a tiny little incentive to remove that feel bad. And mm -hmm. actually got really excited to, they come up and go, Oh, Anthony, Anthony, I found that three inch charge. And like <laughs> in no world do people get excited about failing a three inch charge. But I was yeah. able to add a little bit of delight for a few dollars. Hell, it could be a yeah. free can of drink. It could be a coffee, whatever. But it's yeah. just something to make people feel like they had a good time at the end of the event, even if they didn't win it. Oh, for sure. And that's so that's where my raffle ticket prize comes in for me. Because if you lose a game, you actually get more raffle tickets than you do for winning a game. So then you have a way better chance of winning the raffle prizes. And I'll be honest, they're usually a lot sweeter than the actual prizes you win for playing very well so <laughs> it can so, be exciting for people so let me let me pause on that for a second because you do mention yep. you know scoring and, and prizes so what you're mm. telling me is that as a tournament organizer a lot of tournament organizers will put their prize pool mostly into first second third maybe best in each of the grand alliances um and then maybe a token prize for wooden spoon because we laugh at the person who comes last it's a you know an honorable thing that we all do that yeah. you've you're looking at this a little bit different because you don't want to reward first, second, and third. You want to reward 
people having a good time. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's mo the most important thing. So how I do my prizes is I usually buy a medallion or a trophy, whatever. I'll buy one for the champion, the hobby master, warlord, and the true challenger. Um, and that I just take out of my own pocket. And then I'll tag like a $50 gift card to it or whatever. So you're getting something for your time. You're getting a trophy. You're getting a, a small prize and store credit for something. Um, and I'm awarding multiple ways to play the game. So for guys that really like the hobby, I'm awarding that. For guys that take a lot of pride in winning games, yeah, I'll award that. Um, but I also try to make it open for other people to try different things. So like True Challenger is my favorite award to try to give out, where guys are just sticking to one start collecting box, and that's all they're using, and they're trying to win an event with it. I think that's something that's really unique. So yeah, I just try to award as many styles of play as I possibly can. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea, and something that I've learned over my time is that the, the best events or I think the best way to distribute any prize pool um, is actually rewarding it through through the entire event, not just mm -hmm. putting it into first, second, and third because winning first, second, and third or best painted or coolest army or best sport, the prize is winning the, tro the trophy, the award, the certificate. Yep. Uh, that in itself is the prize. Um, yep. I'm really fortunate that Games Workshop for some of my bigger events are now sending me Forge World trophies. And instead oh, yeah. of putting an extra hundred or two hundred dollars behind that trophy, that's the prize. You you want a freaking trophy. You want a you want an award. Um, how about I distribute the wealth and distribute it evenly? Not evenly, but distribute it fairly, so that whether you want to come in and win the event, whether you just had a good time, whether you are the hobby master, painter, uh, mm. a good sport, um, like think, Whatever, think yeah. about ways that you give equal opportunity for someone to walk away with a prize and have a great event yeah well and that's why i pour a lot of mo like 90 percent of my prizing goes into a raffle and that way everybody has a chance at getting one of those raffle prizes you can put things in like i think last year what did we ha we had uh the stormcast battle force was one of the prizes uh, we had a bunch of terrain things like that so people can actually expand on their hobbies um we got some prize support from secret weapon bases uh, Grimforge again. Um, yeah, like it's just, it's so cool for to be a player and go to these events and you see all these cool prizes and you're like, oh man, I got to win first place to get whatever on the table there. Well, why not just do it with raffle prizes and everybody's got a shot. And I think that's just, it keeps everybody involved in, in what's going on, right? Yeah, and, so, and some communities already have things like master's points or ranking points. Uh, but even mm -hmm. just, the, you know, Cinderfall Gaming points out, you know, just, you know, thinking about ways that you can create spot prizes. Um, I talked mm -hmm. to Clint from the Heralds of War recently about his players pack. And one thing that he does at CanCon that I really enjoy is he has a narrative bingo. And he's got, you know, like a little bingo sheet that has, you know, 15, 20 different things that you can do. And some can be narrative, some can be competitive, some things can be failures, like I mentioned, the three-inch charge failures. It could be, you know, you've you've named one of your characters or you buy your opponent a drink. Just things that, again, uh, make up a good event or a good human. And yeah. um, if you complete the bingo card, um, you go in a raffle for a prize. So it doesn't matter if you go 4-0, and 3-1, and one, however you go competitively, uh, it's about having a good time. And you, you might put names, uh, you know, just put names through a generator and just randomly generate people's names. Um, 
it's not just about you going in and smashing every opponent because yeah it, it's about having fun creating moments and building confidence and knowledge so they come again and they're encouraged mm-hmm. to, to 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 play more yeah absolutely and probably one other thing as well i'd call out is you want people to uh to get to know the community so uh yeah. if there are ways that you can encourage your more experienced players to drop down um there's been times where i've um I've gotten some of the more experienced players uh, to come down and maybe do some best painted judging or kind of just go in and kind of just take some photos and, you know, post them on social media, put them on the Facebook group. Um, they get it. They build a connection with that experienced player and that kind of that, those nerves or the, you know, um, not feeling confident in their skin. You kind of remove that as well. Yeah. Cause it is a little bit daunting coming into communities sometimes. And I, yeah, I think just being there and, and being as friendly as you can and being open to these new people is, is a big part of it for sure. Yeah, and even even like, you know, you may not have the intention that, you know, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big wig, I'm an awesome player, you know, you yeah. know, walk around with the strut. But when you join that Facebook group or that that um, WhatsApp group or however your community is kind of centralized. If you mm-hmm. see a name, I don't know, let's say like me all the time, like Anthony Magra, Anthony Magra, you constantly see me posting and I've got hobby or performance. It's a little bit daunting to speak to that person because they are perceived well-known. Um, yeah. And it's not my intention to do that. It's just how people p- might perceive me. So any way you can remove those barriers to um, to encourage people, and that's why I love d- teams tournaments, doubles tournaments, where yeah. uh, you can put a, a new player with an old player um yep. and again build the the their experience yeah get them out of those those new shoes as it were yeah yeah, yeah and give that give mm-hmm. some advice um so and i i love as well that you've also gone the extra mile to actually put down um the deployment maps again i i assume that we're not using six by fours here you're using um a four, four by four, four table yeah. because obviously the size of the event yep it's it's partly because of the size of the event, and I just find thousand point games work better on a four by four. So, well, it's what they recommend, but also means that you, um, if you are you know restricted by space, and again, you know, in a more, mm-hmm. in a more COVID uh, safe world, you probably could have more people on a table uh, by spreading it out this way. But you've also gone the extra mile by by actually showing off how much space is in the deployment, where the objectives are, because for some of our some of our battle plans on the the general's handbook it's actually quite hard to work out where the objectives go and that can be quite confusing initially so even you just measuring it out to say right there's 12 inches here 12 inches here this is the distance between three objectives they're like oh Mm -hmm. simple yep and we made it very clear that we shrunk all the objectives to three inches too because there's a lot of debate about that but Yeah, you make 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 the space work for what you're trying to do is is a big part of it for sure. Any other lessons that you've learned by running an event like this? So obviously you've you've documented like like why the three inches and uh like the first thing probably I would look at this and go, whoa, we're using realms. Like why would you use all the realms and why would you put in additional layers of complexity for a, mm. a, a bunch of new people? Um, what have you learned from doing things like this and why would you bring in something like this to, um, to your events? Uh, you mean like the realms and the, the extra yeah, layer of complexity? Like the yeah. realms or even just moving away from the standardized um, six inches from an objective to three inches. Right. So the three inch uh, shrinkage was 
literally just because we had shrunk the size of the of the board. Um, so six inch objectives, even on the last scenario we were just looking at there, a lot of the objectives would overlap, and I would find that that would make a lot more confusion just when we were playtesting it out. Um, the reason I added the complexity of the realms and things like that is, yes, you're new to the game, but if every game you play after this has realm features, you're going to need to learn them, right? So, um, and again, that's why I allow the time for people to really look through everything that's going on on the board. And thankfully, with the new edition, the realms are a lot simpler. So including them in future events isn't really going to be as big of a risk. Um, and then we all like the re we also made a point to pick uh, realm features that were fairly simple to work through. Um, so like Hish used to have some pretty complex ones as an example, and we just kind of picked one that was simple that would affect every match in a fair way for uh, different lists. Um, so some lists are going to be stronger in certain realms, and some are going to be weaker. And we tried to balance that out over all of the factions that were going to be involved. And I, I think that just gives players a really a, a much better intro into how the games are going to work. Because you're going to play a 2K game, you're going to use realms. It's it's just part of the game now. So there's no point in leaving that stuff out. I like how you are slowly nurturing them because you're right. You could just play a completely uh, play a game with you know very very simple basic rules. But then what it does is it makes it a big step because then their next game they're going to be introduced to potentially realm rules. They're going to be introduced mm -hmm. to uh, triumphs and uh, mysterious terrain uh, or landscapes. They're going to be introduced into all these additional concepts. And it's just like, whoa, wait a second. Uh, I have no experience to this. I haven't got a reference point. And now I've got to consume all this additional information. So, um, and by the way, uh, Todd in the chat has asked, um, can we get a copy of this pack? I'll absolutely put a link in the yep. uh, episode description as well. So if you're watching this and, and trying to think about stealing the goodness here and kind of <laughs> using this as a template, yeah, I'll put it in the episode description uh, for you to to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have have a look if it's going to help you build your community. By all means, guys, have at it. Pick it apart. How do you how do you promote your event? So. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I've got this concept of, you know, I want to run this in my community. I want to, mm -hmm. uh, to get this out and I want to build Age of Sigma. Yeah. What advice would you give me or how do you kind of get the word out and, and what, what would you do that you're not, maybe not already doing? Okay. So, um, I definitely didn't, uh, come up with this concept. Uh, like I said, I found this community, uh, ultimate gamers. Um, that is the first key. Have a community, a center point for your community to rally around. So a new guy comes into the store, he's interested in AOS. The first thing I'm gonna tell him to do is hop on Facebook and join Ultimate Gamers, first and foremost. That's where he's gonna get all his news about what's going on in the community. That's where he's gonna find out about all of our tournaments, etc. That's the starting point. Um, and then when I get into promotion mode, I'm blasting social, social media. Uh, in this case, largely Facebook and our, our group across multiple pages so that we have Warhammer Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton, and then we have Ultimate Gamers. I'll post in all four, make sure the word's getting out there. Um, and then, like I said, I show up every, every Thursday or whatever your regular hobby night is. I just show up. I make it a point to be there always. And I talk about the event. 
right, get people talking about the event and then that gets them excited. They're going to start talking to their friends. They're going to want to pull more people in. And that's just the best way to do it. You just have to be really active. I find, I find what, what really helps as well is, uh, thinking about, especially if you're doing it in partnership with a local store. Um, if I was running my own independent event, this this advice would be a little bit different. But if I was running it in partnership or even in store, um, I would want to make sure that Age of Sigma is visible, whether it is getting them to announce that um, that they are they've got an Age of Sigma night, and I know a lot of um, a lot of stores will advertise, you know, Magic the Gatherings on Friday Night Magic. You've got Age of Sigma once a month, or you know, forty k mm -hmm. once a month, and they'll have like an event calendar for the for the month or the week. Yep. Uh, making sure that you know if you are going to run a, a painting uh, a painting night or you're going to have a casual Age of Sigma on a Tuesday or whatever whatever day you try to rally the community, um, try to get that on the schedule. So again, everyone knows that Monday night is Sigma night. Whether mm -hmm. you want to paint, you just want to drop in, say hello. It is Sigma night, and again, you foster those relationships. They can ask questions, they can get advice, uh, and again, you're removing those barriers. Um, mm -hmm. So I think think about real partnership as well and get a poster up, make a poster up, yep. make sure that, again, when you walk in store, uh, that is mm -hmm. advertised. So one of the things that I find that really helps is uh, when I run a campaign, at the end of that campaign, uh, I usually make up a banner for the team that won. So it's got an AOS logo. It's got the UG logo. It lists everybody's names uh, that you would see who are on that team. So I, I just kind of took that idea. A lot of sports teams and like in high school and stuff, you'll see those banners hanging everywhere. And it's got the year and the names of people who won that year. That helps to establish the fact that this community is here. It's been here for a while and it's clearly not going anywhere. So it's just another way of putting that message out there for your community. I know one thing that I did last year at one of my events that um, was actually really well, well received. Um, it was my hundred player event last year. And mm -hmm. uh, I made up I made up name badges, so I got a little lanyard with a name badge, and I also got people to submit their Twitter or their Instagram handle if they had one. Okay. And I'd have their name and their Instagram or Twitter handle, so that as they're walking around, even if I don't know them, I can at least say their name. I can introduce myself. Uh, some people aren't very good with names, and they might hear it once and then they forget it. Uh, AKA mm -hmm. me with your last name, but um, <laughs> yeah. or even like when we play a game, Jonathan. You know, you and I yeah. play a game. Uh, I take some photos, or if I want to take some photos, I can tag you, um, yeah. or I can say on the Facebook group or the Twitter. Twitter, I'm like, oh my god, it's ha having an awesome game against Jonathan Stormcast. Who do you think's gonna win? Um, yeah. Or you know, we can I can post those after game photos, and again, foster the relationships. And next week when the event's over. I at least know Jonathan and say, hey, Jonathan, do you want to play a game? Or, hey, when are you free again? Uh, I had yeah. such a good time with you. And I don't need you to be running these constant events because I've got now got the confidence to have a pickup game for someone I don't know yet. Heck, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good uh, really good point, yeah. Um, just thinking about <clears> those <throat> ways to kind of, um, again, build relationship and get uh, – like my, my Sydney Facebook group, it's not my person, mm -hmm. I'm just a part of it. Um, we have like a thousand members, but uh, there's probably a good 50% that aren't active. And I always wonder how can I get people to to, to post and mm -hmm. getting people to post their hobby progress or uh, leading up to the event, like, hey, how you going, share your photos, you know, getting people to mm -hmm. kind of, again, learn what's going on happening online so they know what's going on mm -hmm. offline. Yeah, for sure. It's... Uh... It's an interesting balancing act. Um, I just find 
you're you're totally right. Like if, if I anytime I do anything hobby related, I try to post about it. Um, anytime I'm I'm gonna organize anything, I post about it. Or if we're gonna do like we have a Discord group, we just hang out. We do hobby hangouts. That's um, awesome. We all try to promote that. Um, we're I'm really lucky in this community. There's a lot of there's a lot more people than just me trying to build the community. And there have been people that have been doing it for a lot longer than I have. So we have this really great support structure of uh, just constantly blasting social media with stuff. And then you do get inactive people who are start. Oh, hey, that's pretty cool. I haven't seen that in a while. And then you you get them back in, right? So it's it's a great way to do it. Something that I've been doing um, that I, that seems to work really well is um, I'll go live. Um, mm. especially mm. like on those, no, those, the Monday night painting events, or, um, if we're having a casual, you know, just a pickup game or even a pickup, um, like in my community, you know, there's a couple of stores that will run Sigma once a month, one day on a Sunday. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll go live and I'll just go take some, you know, me talking, Hey, it's Anthony just round one's finished. Here's everybody at Hall of Heroes. And I'll actually then go pan other people and show them and they're having fun. They might talk to the camera, hey, what's going on in your mm -hmm. game? And Kieran might tell me what's going on with his game. And again, like for anyone who's in like a bystander, you're like, oh, actually, I will come next month. It looks like they're having a great time. And you just keep doing that. Um, yeah. Again, you're just kind of showing off that it's not a, a big, scary thing that people think tournaments yep. are. Um, yeah. Yeah, it can be a little bit daunting for sure. And I think we all have those those social hangups uh, when we go into any kind of new situation where you're meeting new people or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, just just humanizing it really does help quite a bit. Yeah, just always showing that, the, you know, there's people involved. We're all from different walks of life. We're all coming together to play this great game. So, And I was once like you. I, I was mm. once like you who is starting in the hobby for the first time. And yeah, through, absolutely. And and we all got to that journey through help getting people yeah. to help us, you know, point them in the right direction to YouTube or podcast or blogs or uh, advice forums, you know, whatever it might be, um, to nurture nurture those, those new people. Like we all have, we all have have had this yeah. new player journey in some form. Well, and that's the only reason this show is even happening right now, and this interview is even happening right now, is because uh, somebody I know through the community pointed me in the direction of your show and hey great yeah, it worked out right yeah talk to me at your pricing you mentioned that the, I think 20 bucks you think you you made it a, a very small barrier to entry is 20 bucks yeah. um it doesn't give you a lot of fat to to kind of if you want to buy a trophy if you want to buy prizes uh yeah. 20 bucks per person doesn't get you a lot um Obviously, we want to reduce it so it's easy for somebody to come. But at the same time, mm -hmm. as an event organizer, you want enough to be able to buy things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just make the sacrifice. I buy all my trophies out of pocket. I do all the tickets, anything that I need to, to make the event run. It's personal expense to me. I don't care. I don't mind doing that. Um, and then I just try to make sure that all that prizing is going back to the community somehow. So again, I'll talk about Paul Ting. Um, he has a fabulous amount of terrain that we all use. It's available for our whole community to use at the store. I mean, the guy can deck out, I think, I want to I say like 50, 60 tables for a 2K game, which is really impressive. Uh, so sometimes that money goes towards repairing that terrain, uh, fixing stuff that all the community uses. Sometimes that goes back into the store. or And then 
most of it goes back out to the players. I, I, I think it really helps that we have a place that we don't have to pay for the, like the space is a, is a big one that allows me to do that and keeps the costs of these, these events lower. Um, and if you are going to charge more for an event, just make sure that the value is there would be my only advice in that regard, right? Like give them a fairly professional players pack, give them a, a, a sense that you care a lot about this event and you're bringing something special for them to, to add value to that. Right. Also, let's be honest, if you're paying 20 bucks to essentially entertain yourself for eight, nine hours out of a day, that's a hell of a deal. Right? That's pretty good. And even I if I'm paying more than that, you know, it's just, it's good. It's good value. And you can find incremental value. I remember uh, I, I mentioned Hall of Heroes, which is one of our local game stores and uh, they had run a, like a two day event for Sigma and something they mm -hmm. had offered the players at the time was a 10% discount on the day for anyone who, who, um, was obviously playing at the event. So incremental mm -hmm. value was that the, we, we all got a small discount on our purchases. And obviously the the, be the big benefit for them was they are going to get additional in-store purchases because um, mm -hmm. on the day I'm going to get a little discount. So as opposed to me spending it online or somewhere else, uh, they were boosting their sales or, you know, getting inventory off their shelves. So I think there are some interesting ways to get that incremental value. Um, I think you're right, thinking about pricing and obviously the fact that you're encouraging people to buy their start collecting boxes from the store. You know, mm -hmm. no store owner wants you to go buy your stuff online and then play it at their event and, and not make any money. They've got rent, they've got bills, they've got staff they've got to pay for. So you've got to find yeah. the way to bring that value to them so that mm -hmm. they can bring the value to you. Absolutely. And that's why all my raffle pricing comes right out of the store where we're having it. It's just an easy way to give back to the store. It gets your players some cool stuff. Everybody wins. And they'll want you to come again. They'll, they'll want to advertise yep. it for you. That'll be their player base that, you know, it's, yep. it's, it's a win-win, I think. Um, and then once you, once you grow up big enough, you might take it off, uh, off the premises or you might run it over a, a couple of sprints, you know, throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, the last probably question, burning question I've got, because this is really cool. I think it's a very interesting concept. We can take a lot of the lessons from the other videos that I'm going to do with event organizers, whether it comes to players pack, whether it's how you, you know, sportsmanship and all that stuff. Um, I've uh, people who watch my channel know that I have um, 3d printers and this mm -hmm. year I've made a focus to actually start printing my own trophies. Um, so, so that, that, that allows me to bring the cost down quite significantly. But I, when I was very first starting my events, I didn't do any trophies. I actually just did mm. certificates. Um, okay. certific certificates yeah. are really cheap. Um, yeah. they can look really good. I had some friends who are graphic designers who just dropped some really nice age of Sigma kind of awards, got them mm. printed a couple of dollars from like the, the local printer with the, you know, a, like a, a frame um mm -hmm. and and that it means more more dollars are going back into the event offering bottles of water a can of drink uh prizes um yeah vouchers i i i'll, I'll do a lot of like five dollar voucher ten dollar vouchers uh to give out on the spot as opposed to big 20 50 prizes because yeah. again that inc improves spending and you know statistics say that you know when you give someone like a 20 dollars voucher they they'll go and spend 30 or 40 they'll never go and just spend the 20. so yeah. again it's win-win for the store absolutely and i think uh the other thing i would suggest too i was a little bit wary of doing this when i first started out but asking for prize support 
is never a bad thing. So just reach out. Worst they're going to say is no. Best case scenario, you're going to get some freebies to give away at your event. Just just ask. I'll, I'll add one thing to that. And um, sure. I've been known quite well in, in Australia to get really good price support. And I think mm-hmm. one of the reasons why is um, I come from a very commercial background. Like I'm sure. very business orientated. And I always mm-hmm. think about myself on the other side of the email. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's in it for me? What is the benefit to me if I'm Cromlich, Army Painter, Citadel, whoever you're reaching out to, any 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 store? Like, What's the value to me? And it mm. could be I'm going to put your logo on my players pack. Uh, if you send me some some prizes, if you send me some um, so like like bits of Cromlich, for example, um, are really good mm-hmm. to me. They'll send me like little resin pieces and yeah. uh, green stuff. World send me stuff as well, which they've been very very good to me. And um, what I might do is when I get that little box and I, I get all the cool stuff from Green Stuff World, I'll film a little uh, box opening video and then I'll actually post it on the group like, hey, guys, yeah. Green Stuff World just sent me the prizes and look at this and, you know, hype it up. That's marketing, right? That's marketing yeah. dollars they would yeah. have spent. Um, and I'm getting people excited because, hey, they now know I've got prizes coming. And yeah. the benefit to the company is marketing. As opposed yeah. to, hey, I'm running an event. Can I have some prizes? And I hold out my hands. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like, like well, what do I get out of that? Yeah, absolutely. So Secret Weapons an excellent example of that. They send Another, out yeah. a bunch of little bases. Um, so then when players show up for my event to sign in, I give them their little player kit. And inside there, you get a Secret Weapon base with a little discount code. It's perfect. Everybody wins there, too. Yeah. Actually, they, one, one more thing I just remember, <clears throat> reminded me. Sure. Uh, and I will get to my last question, I swear. Uh, yeah, another no thing problem. that I've done, especially with those types of things, is um, uh, I, I've i got to know a few people who um, have like a, a laser cutter. So like they, yep. they'll, they'll cut like acrylic or MDF. And um, mm. I'll, I'll go to them and I'll say, hey, can you, can you make me up 20, 50, 10 uh, combat gauges? Because as a new player, one of the things that I'm probably not going to have a lot of is objective markers and combat gauges. So if I can give them, as you just said, Jonathan, you register, you come to me on the day, I give you your players pack, or I give you your documents and some tokens, some objective markers, some combat gauges. They cost like a dollar to make yeah. from an acrylic person at most. They're really, really cheap, but it's yeah. a it's a resource that I'm going to need because we all need multiple combat gauges. Uh, yeah. And at minimum, I've had four hopefully awesome games and I'm walking away with my combat gauge, my objective markers, my nine-inch ruler, whatever. Just another thing to tie you to the game. It's perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah. and it's cents on the dollars. Cents on the dollars Ab- as well. Absolutely. Great value. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like just making that little personal sacrifice sometimes is the the touch you need. So, yeah. Final question. Sure. Le- legitimate now. Not that I couldn't <laughs> talk to you until the cows come home, but... Um, uh, the last question I've got is, you know, you've now run this for three years. You've uh, mm. you've been integrated in your community. The reason I, I got to know you is because somebody spoke to, to spoke to me about you. So obviously right. you've got a wonderful reputation in the community. People keep coming back to your events because it's you keep doing them. But mm. what advice would you give me if I was going to do it for the first time? If if someone's thinking about this, sounds awesome. I want to run one. Um, I, I'd like to start one up maybe when COVID restrictions are down. What what would you tell me? Hmm. I think the best advice I would give anybody is you have to make your, your presence known in the community first. Um, you have to start on the ground floor, establish those relationships, 
and really build on them. So like I've met a lot of uh, the people I consider my closest friends right now through Age of Sigmar, through the community and just being a presence in that community. That's going to be the biggest thing that's going to ensure your success as a tournament organizer, campaign organizer, whatever. Um, and it's going to help you build the relationships that you really need to make something like this super successful. No, that's awesome. No, that's really good advice. Um, making yourself known, making sure the committee knows who you are. Um, mm. And that doesn't mean trying to be a big wig and trying to show off how amazing I am, but just being helpful, being advice, uh, commenting on people's, if they post hobby progress, you know, giving them some words of advice or encouragements, um, just just being present um, mm -hmm. can be really helpful. Um, and again, I, I keep talking about removing that barrier to entry. Um, really, really good advice. Um, yeah. And I think, I think for me as well, um, working in partnership with that local game store, um, a lot of them are struggling right now. Uh, even before COVID happened, they, they were quite struggling. And for them to be able to clear inventory, to be able to uh, to encourage people to come in to buy stuff uh, in non-event days or pre-order days, um, that, that would be highly uh, rewarding for them. Mm -hmm. And I think thinking not just about running an event there, but how do you continue to create a presence? And again, we talk about the Monday painting. We talk about the once a month uh, Age of Sigma on a quiet day because Sunday, again, is the quieter day. Bringing foot traffic into their store can be quite quite important. But at the same time, mm -hmm. you could run this at a local independent club. Um, doesn't doesn't have to be store orientated, but I, I guess nope. that's just where, you know, we, we cut. That's probably our, our, our true north here in this example. But yeah, for sure. It's important to have those relationships with the with your local uh, community where the, where this stuff is getting retailed. It's just it's kind of a no brainer for me, but uh, it it just it's nothing but benefit if you do that. So yeah, and and you know, like <clears throat> building a solid relationship then allows you to uh, to if you do a two thousand point um, event or if you want to do something else, you've built a good reputation with them, and they they trust you now that that you're yep. able to uh, demonstrate your your value to them. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Any advice, any other thoughts that you want to share with us before we kind of close out this very, I, I think quite, quite insightful. I'm certainly now encouraged to think about a start collecting slow grow community building type of activity. I know uh, Cinderful Gaming, who was mentioning uh, in the chat a few times, he's actually done this online. So he's actually been able to mm -hmm. grow his community with a start collecting box almost challenge without mm -hmm. actually a physical event. So it doesn't have to be okay. if you're in the community that, you're currently in lockdown and you can't play, you could still mm -hmm. do this now without the actual playing or the playing might be when lockdown's over. So you just encourage yeah. the paint the building uh, and using what you just said, the Discord, the Facebooks, uh, to keep the, the mojo alive. Yeah, and like our our way to address the, the whole COVID situation is uh, we had a couple guys were playing games over uh, the internet and just trusting that the other guy was moving his stuff the right way and rolling off camera. Um, Lucas is another guy in our community who's uh, the campaign organizer right now. And he's kind of set it up so you can play your games anytime, anywhere. You don't have to play it at the store. Um, that allows you to you know, play at your home or uh, on nights when it's not as busy at the store, uh, what have you. And so there's definitely still ways to, to make this work and still have a com uh, campaign structure 
the bingo card ways is an excellent example. That was a great idea. I had one myself for running an event like that. So you could do a campaign where you're, you're just trying to complete a, a bingo card. You can do that anytime, anywhere, rather than having, you know, a couple weeks to try to accomplish a, a couple games or something like that. Uh, definitely there's ways to do it. I hope, I hope for anyone who's listened to this, you are inspired or you've had some thoughts or, you know, maybe you're not ready to run an event, but maybe you can now give some advice or share this to somebody who is running events uh, or maybe a store owner who's thinking about growing their Age of Sigma community um, or, or getting more activity or more consistent activity going. So uh, whether you are an event organizer, someone who maybe wants to bring a friend into the hobby, uh, or you are someone who, who owns a store, I think you've just shared a whole bunch of good insights and advice to, to build and grow that community through the Start Collecting Box Challenge. Heck yeah. Any final thoughts, any shout outs that you want to make? Jonathan, I know you've been doing some cool stuff from a store level. Yeah, so uh, myself and uh, R. Shamoon, the guy that designed our players package, and Jeff Painter of Painter Studios, uh, we have a little company called Mad Goose Wargaming. Uh, we're making uh, really cool tokens to track mysterious terrain. Uh, on one side of the token, it, it has the name of the terrain, and on the back, a quick blurb about the rule for that terrain piece. So it makes it really easy to keep track of what's going on on the table. And then we just released a set of status tokens. Um, so you can find us on uh, madgoosewargaming.com slash Shopify. And that'll link you to our store. Um, another quick couple shout outs. I want to shout out to all my ultimate gamers out there. Uh, you're the reason that all this happens and the reason this community keeps being so great. Uh, Painter Studios and Grimforge. And of course, the Ogre's Den for always hosting all of our events. Love you guys. And I will grab that link off Jonathan after this show's over and I'll put the uh, I'll put the link to your tokens in the episode as well as the players pack as well. So if anybody wants to see uh, that players pack and maybe copy and paste it and make it their own, uh, it's always mm -hmm. nice to have a template uh, and then make it your own. For sure. Jonathan, let's call this a wrap. Thank you again for your time, folks. I hope you enjoyed this. If you do, you know what the deal is. Like, subscribe, hashtag best episode ever of Start Collecting Challenge. Uh <laughs> Swayze was on it. Swayze was on that show somehow. <laughs> love, love Swayze. <laughs> Don't forget to tag Swayze. Patrick Swayze is like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember this. Where's my agent? Well, he's dead now, so we're we're in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> I can take his IP. All right, Jonathan, thank you again, folks. Thank you for your time. You. Uh, hope you have a good rest of your week or day or whatever you're doing. All right, peace out. Mate, how good was that video? Surely it's going to go straight to the pool room. If you enjoyed that video, I would appreciate it if you crush that like button. And if you have an opinion, leave it in the comment section. That lets YouTube know it's a great video and it should share it with other Age of Sigmar players. Cheers to all the bloody legends here on the screen who have financially supported AOS Coach on Patreon on YouTube members. Their contributions have helped me improve the quality, frequency, and the variety of content on this channel. So cheers, guys. You are bloody legends. Until the next video, don't forget to shoot the heroes and have a good one.